0: Good afternoon and welcome to the Fish Cast. We are back after what has been an eventful uh, couple of weeks. Uh, Corey Long, of course, here with Charles Fishbine. Uh, how are you doing, Fish?
1: Doing great, man. Doing great.
0: Good. That's good. Uh, I'm enjoying being back at my house for the first time in about a week. Uh, we had, of course. If you don't know by now, which you should if you've listened to this thing with any regularity, we both live in the uh sometimes great state of Florida, and um, you know, we had the issues with hurricane both of us being living in the uh lower half of the state. Uh, Hurricane Ian was a big issue for me, not so much for him where he lives, although he has his own uh experiences with hurricanes that we'll talk about in a second, and uh. This was one of those hurricanes that was probably a little under advertised for how powerful it was most of the time. And you know, fishing, and you know, like I know, they'll, uh, you know, you'll definitely get that. You get that sense, you know, they, they, they used to call them scared, you know, kind of like the scare tactics. Hurricanes are going to be this is the big one. Every hurricane is going to be the big one. Usually most of them aren't the big one, but you do have like an Andrew in there and a and a Charlie and a Hurricane Michael and this is uh Hurricane Ian. Yeah, this was definitely a, a big one. Were you in you live you lived out in you lived out of Broward County, Florida? Were you did you go were you in LA when Andrew hit or were you in Florida?
1: When Andrew hit, I was in Los Angeles and uh you know growing up, you know, I, I think in from the time I was in grade school all the way to High school i think donna was one of the only yeah. hurricanes that we stayed home for um it wasn't prevalent to have hurricanes um you know they that you'd hear about them but it wasn't like now where everyone's gonna hit you know you, you hear the news i mean they're they're getting ready every every one of these things I, I remember when um wilma hit that year i think i went up to the florida state game against clemson i had to run back down and put the hurricane shutters up because it was like the 10th storm that year And like back to back to back weekends they had storms and it was just ridiculous and i don't know if they have to just do a better job of projecting these things or if they have they they overdo it uh like i said growing up we had one storm so then i remember living in la and andrew hit and when it was about to hit i was like shocked because it was the first one that actually hit Um, And it was devastating. I remember calling my sister on the phone and she was hiding in the closet and talking to friends. And they told me how, you know, the noise, it sounded like a freight train coming through their house. So that was the first time I think pretty much anybody I was close to had experienced a hurricane, uh, especially one that devastating. And um, I remember my mom telling me that uh, she had flown. She was in New Orleans at the time and flew back and she couldn't find her way home. Like it literally every street she was so confused because there was no street signs and there was nowhere really no point like everything that you recognized visually was gone, you know, as far as being able to find your way home and it was just I think it took her a few hours just to get there and luckily their house wasn't damaged but everybody else. Uh, from like palmetto bay all the way down to homestead their houses were destroyed i remember my friend saying he had like a big yacht in his front yard you know that it somehow got there you know so it's just crazy
0: you
1: know how that stuff happens and and it just seems like these things become have become more and more prevalent especially uh you've seen this as a second one that's hit that southwest coast almost in the same spot as charlie and you've had Um, a couple on the east coast but it's you know these things are pretty bad it's 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 sad I know I spoke to our friend Jeff O through text and he said he had two and a half feet of water uh, in his house and I know he's way inland so just imagine if he's way inland what the damage was to the homes that were actually near the water so
0: yeah I, I think you know it's unfortunate I was to a friend of mine about this is that, you know, it's like you said, you know, you, you get, you know, constantly, and there's, there's a constant, there's a threat, there's a hurricane season here. And when they come, there certainly is a, is a, is a, you know, an appropriate level of concern because the waters in the Gulf of Mexico and on the Eastern Atlantic are pretty warm and they can, hurricanes can get strong pretty quickly. Uh, but you know, most of the time, they just they 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 aren't what they're advertised. Like so, you get an Andrew, you get a Hurricane Michael, which you know ransacked the north the, the Panhandle a few years ago. Uh, there were the hurricanes in 2004 that affected both of us, multiple ones. But you know, the thing is, like you know, the most recent you know big one was like Irma which no one could really get a, an idea of. and It was this big thing. And then it came on the coast and, you know, it definitely affected some areas, but it also like the, the storm was just disorganized and kind of scattered. And just, it wasn't, it wasn't what everybody thought it was going to be. So you get that skepticism and people just, you know, they remember the last one and they assume that this one's going to be like the last one. They're all different. You know, yep. they're all completely different. You don't, you really, the only thing you know is that you don't know anything until it really hits. and You know, and you don't know when you're going to be in the big one. And this was the big one. This was a big storm. It affected about two thirds of the lower half. Like there's just as many issues in Daytona Beach as there are in Fort Myers Beach. That mm-hmm. lets you know that this was a monster because those areas are separated by three and a half hours. Right. So it was a, this was a scary one. I remember, I guess, you know, the, the strongest hurricane I was, was probably Hurricane Gene in 2004. That was one, that was one of the, that was one of the ones that came on the West coast, like Hurricane Francis came on the East coast in your area. And like, it kind of, they all kind of interact. I don't think you were ever at, at my apartment in Lakeland. I lived right next to to Lakeland Christian School, so it was like there's Lakeland Christian School. They had their big kind of athletic complex, which was like a big soccer field, and they had a baseball and their baseball stadium. And then there was our apartment complex, Ottawa apartment. So like our laundry room was like right next to like their their baseball batting practice cage. Gene did so much damage that their batting practice cage became part of our laundry. We, let it, we We in our uh, community considered it like a new amenity. Like now we had a pool and a batting cage. Unfortunately, it made them like build new fences, which meant we couldn't just go over, hop the fence, and play on their soccer fields anymore. But uh, that's another story. But yeah, it was it was that sort of damage to where you literally saw their batting cage become part of our laundry room. Uh. Anyway, it did cause a lot of havoc on a lot of areas. I don't know. I don't know when like the Southwest Florida schools are gonna play football again. If they're gonna play football again anymore this season. No, I, I mean, I mean they-
1: we filmed for North Four Myers and I spoke to Coach Mac and um he basically said I don't know if we're gonna play before November. So
0: Yeah. Yeah, I would assume they're not gonna play this month. And very good programs over there. Uh, you know, that are thought, uh, you know, Naples, Venice, uh schools that are thought you think about those guys, uh Coach Peacock at Venice, uh, the coaches we know in Charlotte County, uh, coaches we know down in Lee County, uh, everywhere, uh, uh, Collier County, and just, just think about those guys, hoping, you know, hoping that, hoping they're right, hoping they can play again this sure. year, hoping in a month they can kind of, the neighborhoods can at least go out and watch their teams play again and, you know, and get some of that normalcy back into life because it, it might be a while for some other things. Um, uh, anyway, uh, moving on, there was, a uh, it, it didn't cause havoc in the state. Uh, there was still, still played a lot of football. We're a football podcast. Um, go through some of the states, the Florida played Eastern Washington on a Sunday. I, at first I was wondering why they played the game Then I got realized that, Hey, they need, they probably might need that game to get to a bowl. So they were going to play a come hell or high water, and it happened to be a Sunday afternoon in front of about a half-filled crowd. I'm not going to lie; I have no
1: did. How did they play? I mean, did they?
0: They did play. I mean, they won like fifty-two to seven or something. I, don't right, even so right. I think it's almost something like. like I, I, I still haven't watched it. I know it's on my ESPN Plus app. I haven't even gotten around to watching it yet. But yeah. <laughs> it was. Uh, it wasn't close. It was never. Yeah. At any point, close. It was they they they, they blitzed them. Yeah. Um, UCF just played their Hurricane rescheduled game last night against SMU. You had a great second half. Uh, they were trailing thirteen ten, but ended up I think winning forty one nineteen or forty one twenty. I think I don't know if they attended that last extra point, but uh, they, they had a great uh, John Reese Plumley threw for over three hundred yards, which was uh, his best yeah, I, passing day by far.
1: Yeah, they were struggling early on. I watched that game a little bit yesterday, and then you know I I stopped watching it at one point. I think they were actually down, and um, they scored. They may have scored right before halftime. It was pretty close at halftime, and then I looked at the score today and saw that they blew SMU out, which was kind of surprising um, to that level because UCF's kind of underachieved for what our expectations were for Malzahn. We both thought he was a phenomenal hire. It would get be easy. But you know what? Sometimes these things aren't as easy as people think right when they take over. It takes time to get your personnel in there. He runs a lot different type of offense. Um, uh, Does mouse on and, you know, running. The the quarterback has to be able to have the ability to run, and this kid can run. Uh, And he showed yesterday he actually can throw a forward pass, which he didn't show before this game. So UCF looks like it. They play like they did last night. Uh, in that second half. They're going to be tough to beat in that conference.
0: Yeah, they're they're 4-1. and As I was telling somebody, I thought they'd be better than what they are. The one loss to Louisville looks really bad, you know, three weeks later. Um, You know, they're okay. As long as as Mel can get the ball in the hands of the guys, he needs to get it, you know, like the Ryan O'Keefe kid, getting Isaiah Bowser the carries, and he's get. Like, that'll be fine, you know, it's just... By the way, I, I thought
1: O'Keefe was Irish for the longest time.
0: He is Irish. He's just black also. <laughs> you know, <laughs> You know, like Rock
1: Ishmael, you
0: know, <laughs> he was black and Irish, apparently.
1: I just I I I remember seeing on the president. Ryan time O'Keefe like, does not Ryan, sound it's... like a brother, it does sound
0: like a homeboy. <laughs> no. Like you tell me Ryan. I'm thinking Ryan O'Keefe was playing lacrosse. You know, it's like
1: it's like a lacrosse name. Somebody needs to tell him that he has an Irish name. He's red in in uh yeah. in our movie. You know, yeah. in Redemption. Exactly. he doesn't know how he got that Irish name, but somehow he's, he's. Irish.
0: Somehow oh, he got it. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> oh, Ryan O'Keefe. I'm it's watching awesome. a, I'm watching a PBS series called U.S. and the Holocaust. And I go like, I was figuring out there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of unexplained things about immigration in this country that, that, that create like Ryan O'Keefe type yeah. names. So no doubt. You know, a lot, a lot of history there. <laughs> um yeah and uh usf i don't did you end up going to the usf east carolina i know you had tickets
1: No, 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 no. i was gonna get tickets but i didn't end up going um you know you know they they're they're a program that honestly needs something positive to happen to them usf i that losing that uf game was huge and it just that was my big concern is they put so much into that game and it let down and it's like literally cost them another two games since um, they were down 41 to seven and a half now again
0: there's a lot going on week. they had to move their game to fau they probably had to move some practices around they get a lot of kids from that southwest corridor so your mind might be elsewhere
1: Still forty-one to seven at halftime to East Carolina, and it's it's not getting much easier. They got Cincinnati up next to Lane Houston, yeah, uh, Temple, yeah. SMU, uh, Tulsa. I, mean, I like them with the Temple
0: game. I, guess.
1: I mean, they got what one more win? Out, what was yeah, their over think, under again? I think they get Temple. I think maybe
0: Tulsa. I don't know what Tulsa's doing this it's season. It's at
1: Tulsa though. Tulsa at oh, Tulsa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
0: don't, I don't trust them on the road.
1: No, not at all. Yeah. I mean, this team's looking at what? Two wins?
0: Uh, yeah, and again, it's like you got to wonder. Uh, Jeff Scott, that would. Jeff Scott had three wins going into this season. Leaving the season with five probably isn't exactly where you want to be, especially when. You've got an AD at, at USF that's really hitting up people for money to try to get some traction on a stadium. You got some new football facilities being built. You know, going to a 10 ain't exactly the uh, selling point you need to uh, turn things
1: around. Yeah, okay. you got to wonder where they'll what direction do they go in? Do they bring a Levitt back or what? Do, I mean, what do they do with that program? Uh, what type of hire can they make? Do you go? Do you, do you try to take a flashy um, assistant coach at another school? I know they did that with Jeff Scott, but do you, what, where do they go from there? The, from I,
0: I, I, to me, I, I think you have to go with somebody that has Florida ties and maybe someone that has a little bit more, a little bit, I don't want to say institutional knowledge, but a little bit more of an understanding of the difference between G five and Power Five football, you know Jeff Scott. I think one of his big issues is that he's trying to he's trying to do what worked at Clemson, and they're two totally different situations. Like I I feel like he I I look at their games and I, I covered the game against BYU, which was also a disaster for them. For BYU, it was amazing. Uh, and it's that they're trying to almost work in too many guys in the offense. Uh they, you know, USF had plenty of success with Levitt. They had great success in their final three years with Willie Taggart. And what Willie did, and to an extent what Levitt did too, was he basically put the offense around like three or four guys, like the guys that like whether it was when Levitt was there, whether it was BJ Daniels or Matt Grothy or uh or the running backs that they had, had. and when Willie was there. It was Quentin Flowers, Marlon Mack, uh, Dearness Johnson, and Rodney Adams. And that was, you know, and, you know, you had a couple – you had a pretty decent tight end. I think a kid out of Ocala, Sean Price, I think was his name. Uh, but, you know, it was just usually four guys, and that was the offense. And that was how – And those were the guys, and you had to stop those guys. Whereas, I think, Scott, it's like they're trying to rotate this many guys in and out. It's just – I don't see there's any cohesion offensively. Do, do, they,
1: do they make a run out of Kendall Bryles? You know, that uh, we've talked about Kendall and we I know his uh, yeah. his past history. Here's a guy that puts up a lot of points wherever he goes. You know, like I, I've always said if you're gonna lose, all right, especially early on, lose big, you know, get beat. If if that East Carolina game's 48-38 or 48-41, 48-45. I don't think fans when you're down big early in a game and that those points you got were meaningless and you didn't really weren't competitive i i just don't think the fans there's nothing for them to hold on to if you're losing that for that east carolina game and it's it's a it's a loss a big loss as far as points scored on both sides but you're only down by 10 at halftime and you're competitive i think the fans are less likely to turn on you uh than where you're at right now it's just it's a program i think you can still win at i mean i don't want to hear you can't win at, at these programs we will talk about it later with kansas you can win anywhere in college football now i mean you look at Tulane. Tulane's a program that has way more restrictions than usf and willie fritz is winning so you could win anywhere it's just getting it done right you got to recruit you got to be able to recruit you know, USF's one of those kind of, I don't want to, it's kind of a renegade program. You got to recruit kids that are power five kids that for some reason, those power five schools overlooked because maybe there was a red flag. Maybe the kid um, struggled in the classroom early on in his high school career. And he, that that's the type of kid that, you know, a Wake Forest can't take, you know, or a Northwestern can't take those guys that are really good but they have red flags and that's where uss made a name for themselves. That's what, yeah. Tag, that's what Taggart did. Um, that's oh, what Levin did. Levitt Levitt yeah. Levitt signed a lot of kids out of Miami um, Edison that were power five kids that ended up at the group of, I mean, Bruce mom premier was a kid that had FSU in Miami and those offers. And he went to USF and became a very good player. And then you had um, uh, this, uh, the, the running back from Miami Edison, you had, um, Mark Dial, I think his name was. He was he had an Ohio State offer early on. And this is a kid that just wanted to play with his buddies from Edison. And and Levin understood that. He understood, listen, I'm not gonna be competitive if I just go and we're gonna go out and evaluate kids, and they're all good kids and they're all angels. And like USF, you got to take a few chances. And I think Scott doesn't want to do that. He came from Clemson where every kid and at Clemson, you could be choosy. You can't be choosy at USF. You got to honestly take some kids that have question marks and have red flags. And you got to accept it. You got to bring somebody on your staff that can handle those kids. Um, You need that one or two coaches that can uh, keep those kids in check. Uh, Can be not only a friend, but a mentor and almost a therapist for these kids. But you need those guys. And you know that you're not going to win with just good kids at USF, if that's the route they want to go, and every kid's a perfect angel, they're going to have a lot more two and ten or two and you know three and nine type seasons.
0: And, and you've got to, and you've also got to be a little creative in the sense that you've got to take some kids that were that were misevaluated. I mean, who was a kid out of Pensacola that was a center that they turned into a DN? Oh, it was a Georgia? Oh God, George, was, George Selby. George Selby, yeah. Like he was a center. He was a center in high school. Yeah. They looked at him and thought he'd be a DN. And he was. He, I think, he still holds the school record for sacks, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um. It's a Quentin Flowers who we both knew he was a very good quarterback and a tremendous leader. But he was 5'11, yeah. and 5'11 was what kept them from being a power five quarterback. And what he turned out to be was a tremendous winner. They took Matt Grotey yeah. out of my high school. Same thing. A kid that went to two state title games. He was a little short. And you know, and what happened was he helped them win. I think he probably won 25 games. DJ Daniels, they had that great run. They should have finding-
1: taken yeah, they should have taken a Michael Pratt, who's at yeah. two lane. And now that that kid's hurt and the backup came in, you know, that's a kid you have to go after in the portal if that kid hits support. You can't just you like you said. Maybe a quarterback, maybe he's not 6'4, and he's not Trevor Lawrence. He's not these guys, but you find a guy that's 5'11 and a half that can make all the throws, make all the plays. Maybe they should have taken the kid from St. Thomas last year that ended up at UConn and is starting as our freshman. You got to find guys yeah. that have flaws. And and I mean, last year, Lake Gibson had um the one defensive back, not Sam McCall, who ended up at Florida State, but the Javante kid. Um, I forgot where he ended up, but he's a type of kid that USF should be able to pull from Pole County, you know. Yeah. And and those and are the, they've
0: pulled in the past.
1: Yeah,
0: is that they've not in the past. Yeah, so they, you know, there's definitely a lot of things that they can do with that program to improve the recruiting. I, you know, the one the one thing I liked about Lever the one thing I liked about Taggart's recruiting is that they looked at the entire area that they lived in and realized where the the program had, the cachet for the program was high, respect for the program was high. They knew they could get kids in Polk County. They knew they could get kids in Pinellas County. They knew they were very, they were always strong in Sarasota, Bradenton, Fort Myers, you know, that Charlotte, those areas, those kids love, and I knew done in Miami, in your area, the kids that and we've seen it a million times, kids that are D, that are power five kids that just don't want to leave the state or go too far. They don't want to go to the Big Ten or, or, you know, really high level G5 kids that don't want to go to the MAC or don't want to go to, you know, they want to play in state. They want to be close to their families. They want to live in the city. You know, they would go to USF. They would go to UCF. So, you know, it's finding, the, and there's so many of them available. And there's somebody that can play. We're talking about the quarterback situation. They had a great run between, you know, you got to think between Rothy and DJ Daniels and Quentin Flowers. They had a great run of QBs. Yeah, You know, because they they took kids that were – all three of them had the same thing. They were all very talented. They were all great leaders. They were all a little short. And <laughs> that worked out for them. But they were all very good players there. Um, so, you know, they just – I think I think if you had to ask me, I know the USF fans are really kind of hoping that maybe maybe Jamie Chadwell's his uh his his the shine on him has dipped a little bit to where he'd go to a school like that and consider that an upgrade. And that 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 might be the type of creative person they need because Chadwell's always got a little bit more with less. And taking some kids that didn't always fit the measurable, but understood how to be football players. So I think that would be an interesting fit. I'd certainly be interested in it. Uh, you know, and also I think he's somebody that understands how to do a little bit more with less. I think the concern about when you bring over somebody like Jeff Scott is that Clemson has a lot. He's used to doing a lot with a lot. You well, don't
1: have all that at USSF. Let me ask you a question. All right. Yeah, you take Scott Satterfield. He's most likely going to get fired at Louisville uh, pretty soon. Yeah. I mean, he'd, yeah, you
0: know, he he had,
1: he had a lot of success team. at App State. He's had a lot of success as an offensive coordinator. He does know how to run a program. Would you take a shot at him at USF?
0: Oh heck yeah, absolutely. I don't. I don't think he's forgotten how to win. No, I just don't think it's going to work for him at Louisville. I, I don't think he's forgotten what to do. The guy was great at App State. He he was part of Mario's staff at FIU, right?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So he knows about recruiting in Florida. He knows about this thing. Heck, yeah, I would take a take a flyer on him. You know, especially if you know if you get him in at a good rate, you assume you would because Louisville's going to owe him some money. But yeah, I would do that. I would I would consider that if I were them. I think there's the thing is coaches know you can win there, and the good ones will win there. And, but, you know, they've had some hires that weren't as good and they're not going to win there. But I, I think Scott Satterfield can win there. I would take a chance on him. But yeah. I would also take a chance on Kendall. I would take a chance on Jamie Chadwell. I would, you know, if, if James Coley was really interested, I would certainly bring him in because I think Coley could improve. I think he would build a talent base. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's a few guys out there. I think, the, I think they would have more... I think the job would be more intriguing than people think it would be.
1: You know? Yeah, I, I think Coley would be a good hire, but it's it comes down to he's not a coordinator, so he may get overlooked. But they need somebody that can flat out recruit the state of Florida. Yeah. Uh, they, need, recruit.
0: they need somebody to bring a talent.
1: Yeah, they right, need to flip is, the they need to flip the roster over.
0: Yeah, this is a this is a team that should be just running around, flying around, flying <laughs> the football. Making some plays, just you know, that's that's the type of program USF should be. So, um, yeah, uh, moving on, uh, Florida State did you know they weren't sure what they were going to do when they ended up playing their game Saturday. It was like a beautiful weather day, great crowd out there, played Wake Forest and fell from the ranks of the unbeatens. It was, uh, uh, I, we can say it. We've talked about it all week. I this was a loss that I this is a recruiting. This is a loss where you find that the recruiting has messed you up a little bit because they've had injuries. Fabian Lovett was out, Jared versus Compromise, Amari Gaynor is out, Robert Scott, your left tackle is out. You know, you got big injuries and you just your second teamers just aren't that good. And the drop from first team to second team with Florida State is so drastic still.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you know,
0: and, and that's where the the class, you know, it's I don't want to say they've recruited bad, but they haven't recruited playmakers. So yeah. when you recruit a lot of guys that are decent assignment football guys, you just can't play them but so much.
1: Yeah, they're gonna get exposed. I went back and looked at the recruiting classes and and where you get hurt in a year like this and people keep bringing up, well, Wake has all these guys. The classes of 2020 and 2021 is where you lose a game like Wake Forest, because those are the guys that are your upperclassmen, your seniors, your juniors, guys that have a lot of reps, whether it's practice, whether it's games. That's what has hurt them and you know everybody sits there and goes well you know the transfers have done well and we could go back and forth on this you still only get those transfers for 1 year um no matter what if they're any good they're leaving um you know to the NFL after 1 year if they're not any good they're going back in the transfer portal so it's really they're 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 hit or miss on those type of players and we could go back and forth on the whole transfer portal thing they needed those 2020 and 21 classes to win a game like they did the other day. You know, you talk about, you know, you have a Fabian Lovett who gets injured and he was a transfer portal kid. And now the next guy up is really a redshirt sophomore or a a, a redshirt freshman or, you know, guys that just haven't been in the system long enough that weren't tier A players. They were guys that you knew when you recruited them like a Malcolm Ray that you needed them to be in the program three years at least before they made their impact. Now you're counting on those guys earlier than you expected, and you see the results uh, in a game like Wake Forest. Uh, Robert Scott goes down, and now you're playing a sixth-year transfer from South Carolina that got benched at South Carolina. The kids struggled, and the next option up is a former guard that is now pushed out to tackle. And Darius Washington, Darius should be playing inside. So you, you, and that affects the whole line when you start to. If you make one guy change and that guy doesn't fit there, and that other guy that's p- replacing him at that other spot, you now affect the whole offensive line. And you saw last week they had breakdowns in their old line that they didn't have early in this season. You look at the D line, same situation. Ever since Love it went down, you saw it even in the Louisville game. They have not been able to stop the run. Uh, Wake Forest was not a great running team uh, going into that game, and they almost ran for, what, 175, 200 yards? So that's where the recruiting we talk about has affected them. It's going to rear its ugly head at some point if you don't recruit well or you have those staggered classes. And that's where they're at right now, and they have to fight through it. They may have to play some of these younger guys that aren't ready. I still think there are some young guys, whether it's Armella, uh, AZ Thomas, and Sam McCall. I think it's time to see these guys because I don't think they can play any worse than the guys that are in front of them. And they're talented. They they were Tier A guys. You know what Sam McCall could do. We've seen what AZ Thomas could do. Uh, we know Armella was a top-tier offensive lineman. It's time to see what these guys could do because they're ready. I think they're ready. And uh, I think they'll have an impact right away. And then, oh my it, God, I start armella now. Yeah, what's his name? Turantine is that his name? Or he, he should be turn style
0: because he yeah was, he's awful. He's awful. Yeah, right. yeah and uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what I, I Julian Armella at least looks the part. Yeah. And I mean, he's from what he come from Columbus.
1: I think he's a smart kid. I mean, Columbus. He's I, been at Columbus. He's been at Gulliver. He's been at St. Yeah, Thomas. So you know, he's, he's a, an eye. He's an academic kid. He's been at these private schools. He's a smart kid. His father played at Florida State.
0: Like yeah. I, it would be no question. He'd be starting this week. I'd yeah. uh, absolutely like. I don't want to see Jerry Jones ever again. Like <laughs> I put, I put a lot. Of, like I don't ever want to see Jerry Jones on the field again. Yeah. I don't care if it's at FSU or anywhere else. Uh, you know. So yeah, I, I put, I, I start Sam and Harvey. I would start Daisy Thompson Harvey. something, guys just because you're. <laughs> I get that they're four and one and, but you know, you're not four and one because of turnstile and ja- and Jerry and Jones. Like you can get those guys out of the lineup and put in guys that give you a little bit more upside. Yep. So, uh, yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, you know, but you, you look at it and it's just, you it just felt like, okay, they're eventually, like you said, there was going to be a game where they were going to have to rely on some of the kids that they've brought in that are not. They need more playmakers, they need more young playmakers, kids that you know that might not be fully developed, but you know they can go in there. They're going to create some sort of havoc. Like they have no other Fabian Lovett out there. They have no other kid that can go out there and do what he does in the middle of the lineup. And that you know that was an area that Florida State. When they had a top defensive tackles, and they've had a ton of top three picks, they always had a younger guy that they would go in there that wasn't as good, that wasn't going to be, that was eventually going to be the NFL guy. But for the immediate, for the immediate, as a freshman, as a redshirt or as a true freshman, he could go in there and do something. Whether it was provide inside rush, it was to blow up a play. Maybe they'll make a mistake, but they're also going to do a lot of things right. Um, you know, you don't, you know, with verts, with Jared Verts out there, like Patrick Payton has shown a little bit of some rush, like he can bend, he's shown you he can do some things. So, but you know, you also realize Patrick's been in the program for what is this the third year, fourth? Year? He's been there for a while now. Like um I, th-
1: a- I think he's second or th- second year, third year. His whole thing is physically um he he really struggled against the run last week i mean he gave yeah. you that pass rush he really really needs to get in better conditioning and shape and just to be a dm at this level um at this high level he sure he doesn't look like jared verse and he doesn't look like jermaine thomas and we could go over why or what or this he needs to get into that weight program in the offseason and really really focus on getting a lot bigger and stronger because he can't hold up against a point of attack, he struggled in run support last week. And the, you know, you know, coaches, if you, you could, if you could rush the passer, it's one thing. But if you can't hold up against the run, they'll have an excuse why not to play you. Just like, oh, the receiver doesn't block well, so we can't put him out there. Even though uh, this kid could go for four hundred yards every game, but you know how that works out. He does need to get physically bigger and stronger. Um, it's time for him to take that next level he's he this is his second year I think um in the program I think I could be wrong uh but he's a kid that has a he showed you he could rush the passer it's just he definitely needs to get bigger and stronger yeah he came in the class of 2021 he's a true sophomore so um oh, okay I thought you know, it was, I thought it yeah. was a
0: 2042 okay I yeah I
1: think I think next still year go. he's still young. Yeah, I think next year if he could add the weight, get bigger and stronger, um, he'll he'll. I because I don't see Jared Verse staying after this year. I think you agree that if Verse keeps playing at the level, he's he's gone. Um, and good Florida State, that's great though. I've had two first rounders in back to back years at the end. Hopefully that helps him. So that you know Peyton should be ready to fill that spot. Um, and they may not have to go the portal route next year if Peyton can take his game to another level.
0: He needs to kind of do what he needs to talk to verse about what verse did during that off season at Albany. When he was taking in like 8,000 calories and doing like 500 push ups a day and stuff. So he got big. Like, I forget the ESPN story, it spelled it out like he was just eating and doing calisthenics all day and put on like 35 pounds of muscle. It was, it was pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, Thorn State lost 31 to 21 again. A tough turnaround this weekend. They get an NC State team that's ranked 14th, coming off a loss. Then they host Clemson uh, the following in prime time. So it's, you know, it's officially kind of Oktoberfest for them, more or less, in terms of how tough the schedule gets. And uh, you know, we'll see what they end up doing this week. Um right now we're gonna take a quick break, switch over, do part two of this. Talk about some, we got some coaches getting fired, coaches that are, I don't wanna say on a hot seat, but are definitely being questioned. Uh, other coaches that are, uh, you know, still kind of teetering there. And some that have, uh, some that are on a bit of a rebound, like our big Chip Kelly up there in, 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 in Southern California. So uh, we'll be right back. We'll be back real soon, you take care.